0: That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time ever every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And sitting just a bit across from me is senior writer
0: Jonathan Strickland. Midnight. Not a sound on the pavement. Has the moon lost her memory? She's smiling alone.
1: This podcast will be much better than cats.
0: Yes, I should hope so.
1: I'm going to listen to it again and again. <laughs> anyway. So, t-
0: today, yeah, today we're going to talk. We had a, actually some requests come in yeah. about explaining 32 bit versus 64 bit in the terms of computers. What does that mean? What is 64 bit automatically better than 32 bit? Uh, what's the deal behind this? Because we've seen some operating systems come out over the last several years, uh, especially since like Windows Vista, that had 64-bit versions and 32-bit versions and not all would work on every computer. What's up with that anyway?
1: Well, the answers to those questions is basically yes, no, maybe, sort of. It's a computer <laughs> architecture question as it turns out. So, and, and the answer is is not definitive. I mean it's sort of – well – Anyway, let's talk about it.
0: Okay, yeah. So let's talk about what it all <laughs> means to be 32-bit versus 64-bit in the first place. So. Well, that part's easy. That, yeah. er. We're talking about computer architecture here. Uh, now, just on a high level, this is going to be very general for all of you. So all of you computer scientists out there, uh, you might want to fast forward a little bit because <laughs> your, your eyes may start bulging if you hear me describe computers in these simplistic terms. Go make yourself a sandwich. But in general, you have this thing in your computer, the central processing unit, mm-hmm. all right? And there are basically two ways to try and make a CPU uh, do more work or, or be more efficient. Uh, and- I'm saying basically two ways. There are actually more than that, especially if you go into multi-core processing. Right. But if you're talking about a single-core processor, you can either make the processor work faster, mm-hmm. which means that it can operate; it could uh, complete more operations in the same amount of time as a slower CPU. Mm-hmm. Right. So operations are done in uh, in in uh, cycles per yes. second. So how many times the clock cycles per second with that particular processor essentially means how many operations they can do, although some operations require multiple cycles. Right. Okay. So you can make your computer go faster by putting in a faster processor. But another way computers can go faster is if they can process more information at one time than a slower processor or Mm -hmm. a, a processor that runs at the same speed but does less information at the time. Because... For a processor to to actually uh, execute commands and, and to crunch numbers, essentially is what a CPU that's is doing. It, it's computing. Yeah. It's pulling information from the computer's memory and then executing a series of commands that are dictated by whatever the application that's running says it has to do. Mm-hmm. And then you get the output. All right. So if you have a narrow pathway – then only so much information can come through at a time. If you make that pathway wider, more information can come in, and that same amount of time. The information's not necessarily traveling faster; it's just more of it can go through. So, if we use the handy dandy let's talk about a building <laughs> oh. metaphor that I okay. always like to go with. Let's say you've got a building. It's got a doorway that's one person wide, mm-hmm. and you got a whole bunch of people who want to go in uh to that building but they all have to move at a specific rate. They cannot run. They've been you know, the the hall monitors are there. And they're telling everyone no running. Then it's going to take a certain amount of time for all those people to get into the building filing in single file through that one person wide opening. Mm-hmm. Now let's take that same building but we've done some reconstruction on it. We've made that building so that there uh, three people can walk or, side by side mm-hmm. into that. And you still tell everyone, no running. So they're moving at the same speed. But now more people can go into the building in the same amount of time as it took. Uh, you know, you're you're going to take less time to get everybody in than it took for the, the single person version of that building. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the idea behind this computer architecture with 32-bit versus 64-bit at a very high level.
1: Yeah, and the thing is it's uh, there are a number of things that affect uh, – In your overall computer architecture, there are a number of things that affect how much information can be handled by the CPU at a time. For example, you know, all the different, uh, cabling and everything else that's in there. I mean, you're, if you have a better graphic, faster graphics processor, your graphics processor will handle more graphics. But we're, we're speaking specifically of the CPU. And not of the cables that run that information to the different parts of the computer and those things. We're talking about the actual processor itself. Yeah. And there is one other thing, however, that, uh, that it needs to handle this. And, and that is, I've forgotten what it
0: was. What is it? Data bus? Memory. <laughs> I remember now. RAM. Well, the data bus is the, the, the pathway between memory and the CPU. Well, yeah, that's the thing. See, that, that pathway
1: has to be ample enough to, to carry, uh, information. Right. But the memory, the amount of memory you have mm-hmm. and how your CPU handles memory is pivotal to how well your computer can handle instructions.
0: Yeah. So. That's why we talk about computer architecture. You're not just talking about one component in the computer. No. If you put a 64-bit processor in a computer and you didn't change anything else, it wouldn't matter. It, it so wouldn't much. matter. Yeah, because because even though you've got a 64-bit processor in there, the rest of the computer is not designed with the architecture that's necessary to take advantage of that. So, with the memory, you you, you know, a 64-bit processor would be able to access more memory. Because mm-hmm. the 64 bit, that talks about how much information can go- come through, right? Right. And so it's effectively twice as much as the 32 bit. Right. So you've got, uh, what? What? Go ahead. You, I heard the inhale. I was stopping. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, so, so the data bus is, it's not a bus like get on the bus, you know. Or a desert bus. bus? Or a desert bus. <laughs> we will drive for eight hours and get one point. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo, Tucson. So, Yeah, the data bus is essentially the pathway from the memory to the CPU. So you, with a 64-bit system, you're going to have more memory, more random access memory, more RAM. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a larger uh, data bus, a data bus that's, that, a 64-bit data bus that is going to allow um, 64-bit information to pass through as opposed to 32-bit and then the 64-bit processor that can process the information. This does not work well for every kind of computer problem. Nope. There are certain kinds of computer problems that just don't need that. It's not that, you know, it's not that it's harmful. It just isn't beneficial. So in other words, let's say that we go back to that building example, Mm -hmm. all right? And let's say that you only have one person who has to get in the building. Well, it doesn't matter how wide the doorway is. If there's no obstruction, then that person's going to get in the building at the same speed, whether the doorway is one person wide or three people wide. Mm -hmm. Well, same sort of thing. If you have a computer application that doesn't require massive uh, – it doesn't require the CPU to constantly be pulling information from memory, then it's not going to see a big benefit to switching from 32-bit system to a 64-bit system. Oh, and I I forgot another piece. We were talking about computer architecture with all the the physical hardware. You also have to have an operating system that can take advantage of the 64-bit architecture. So – if you have a 64-bit system, you would need to get an operating system that's also a 64-bit operating system if you wanted to run at that full speed. Most 64-bit systems are capable at running 32-bit uh, software, um, usually through either uh, there's like a, there might be a 32-bit core that's incorporated in the system itself, or it might be that there's an emulator running. But usually, a 64-bit system is capable of running 32-bit software. If it weren't, then uh, you would rapidly discover that most software – would be unusable because not not everyone has upgraded up to sixty four bit yet. Before you send
1: us a list of all the software that you've tried on your sixty four bit system that doesn't work, remember your mileage may vary. Some restrictions apply.
0: Yeah, it also depends <coughs> heavily upon the actual operating system and how it was providing that support. Because again, if you're talking about emulators, that does that's not a one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. You know, so now, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, here's the interesting
1: part about the thirty two bit versus sixty four bit. Systems, 32-bit systems can only address a certain amount. Well, all of them can address a certain amount of computer memory, of RAM. And with 32-bit systems, you can only address 4
0: gigabytes of RAM. And back in the day, everyone thought, 4 gigabytes of RAM? Wow, we'll never need that much. Yeah, that, that famous
1: quote attributed to... Bill Gates, which apparently he never said yeah. about how much, uh, I've forgotten how much it was. Yeah, but it was, it was like, like 300 like megabytes or something like that. Might have even been anyway, lower than that, yeah. but yeah. But, um, but yeah, people said, well, that's, that's plenty for what we do. But the thing about it is now we're using computers to do high-end graphics work and high-end sound work, um, um,
0: scientific calculations, scientific
1: calculations. We expect our game machines to, uh, render beautiful 3D graphics where pe- where the hair on people's heads moves with the breeze and yeah, the and leaves are moving. There's and, no
0: clipping or effect, it doesn't affect the, the physics engine at all. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, at a certain point, uh, you're, you're kind of looking for more from the system because we're able to do these things now. So they've enabled processors, and these 64 bit processors are not brand new. They didn't come out in 2010, 2011. These have been on the market for for several years.
0: And in fact, uh, the the earliest ones date from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Cray supercomputer, the original Cray 1 supercomputer had a 64-bit architecture. Yes. So while um,
1: so while 32-bit machines can address 4 gigabytes of RAM, a 64-bit machine, and this is sort of sounds like our uh, IPv6 thing, yeah. can address... billion gigabytes of RAM, which is far more than any of our machines will hold at this point. Now, I've seen machines that will hold 64 gigabytes of RAM. There are probably some really high-end machines that will hold even more than that. But it's still far more than the operating system and computer hardware can access Right now. So basically this is a build for the future, yeah. the immediate foreseeable future. And the more, um, if you've ever heard somebody say, Hey, I know if you really want to speed up your computer, a cheap way to do that is to add more RAM. Well, in general, that's true. If you have more memory space, that gives your computer a lot more room to handle, uh, regular calculations, because keep in mind that your operating system is taking up a certain amount of RAM and all the other operating stuff under the, um, uh, that's hanging out with it, like, say, um, virus protection software yeah. and other things that you use on a daily basis. And then you open up uh, Photoshop to work on on stuff and it runs incredibly slow. And why? Oh, man, why does this run so slow? Well, if it had more memory, it would be far easier for the computer to allocate in resources to Photoshop because yeah. it's already got a bunch of stuff in memory.
0: So yeah, it's 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 both the processor speed itself and the the speed at which it can, or the amount of memory it can access. Uh, that think makes of it, a huge difference. Yeah, think of it this way: like uh, your your computer, uh, if if your processor had to access your hard drive every time it needed to pull up information, it would slow everything down, mm-hmm. right? Like if it had to go into your hard drive in order to pull. Whatever the information is in order to execute the file you just said or the Mm -hmm. execute the command you just made. Right. Then it would slow things down to a crawl. So if you were playing a game, for example, and Mm -hmm. you press the jump button and the, and the, so you've, you've executed a command, you've pressed the button that's going to cause your character to jump. Apparently that character is Mario. Uh then <laughs> the man. the uh, jump man, the computer will then take that command. It would have to search your hard drive to find out, all right, I've been given this command, here's the set of parameters that the game is in right now, what happens next? It would get that information, process it, and then send it back to you. And this would take a long time. RAM, what it does is it allows you allows the computer to pull the Essentially, the most pertinent information to whatever's going on right then and there mm-hmm. to be in a, a temporary storage space so that the processor doesn't have to access the hard drive in order to load stuff. It just accesses RAM, and that's much faster because, you know, the RAM's just going to be there for the duration of the instance that you're on, like until you shut your computer down. Um, this is also why if you're playing a game on a console, and you get to a new level, and you get that loading screen, mm-hmm. well, essentially it's loading that information into the console's RAM so that when you're playing, it doesn't have to refer back to the hard drive, and and that would impact your experience. Mm-hmm. So that's the same sort of idea. Now, with the 64-bit system, what you've done is dramatically increase the amount of RAM your system can potentially have, which means the CPU will not have to go back to the hard drive as frequently.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, you I mean, can it can
0: load more information all at one time. Sorry.
1: No, no, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't realize. No, no, you,
0: I, I, my brain clicked. <laughs> I, I had to go back to hard drive space.
1: Ah, I see, I see. Maybe we should uh, increase your RAM. So um, I've been trying. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and and this is great. You know, of course, you can always speed stuff up by closing things that you're not using. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, this, this presents a, a real advantage for people who are, are doing things that are memory heavy or people who need to keep multiple programs open. Say you're editing an article and you have your word processor and your graphics programs. You can do the photos that go along with the article and you have your email open Look, and all the other I stuff.
0: I've got a to-do list already. You don't have to Same. drive it home like that.
1: But yeah, I mean, you're working on all those things simultaneously. If you have enough RAM, You should be able to work fairly quickly as you, as you go from one back and forth, you know, to the other.
0: Yeah, because it's already loaded into RAM. The computer doesn't have to go and search for stuff. Yeah. So uh, let's use, let's use my home
1: computer as an example. Um, it's about three years old as of the time we're recording this. Um, and it has a physical memory capacity of four gigabytes of RAM. Now I have an operating system that will run in either 32 bit or 64 bit mode. The question is, should I boot into 64-bit mode, or should I just default to 32-bit? Uh,
0: depending on what you're using. Actually, I'd say just default to 32-bit.
1: Because it won't even, I can't even take advantage of the 64-bit advantage of being able to address more RAM, because I don't even have the capacity right. for more than four gigabytes of RAM. It, it doesn't to. make any sense to do that. but um, And you can have a top end uh, machine, but if you're running an older operating system on it, that won't run in 64-bit mode, you're not able to take advantage of it. So, as Jonathan pointed out earlier, you have to have the machine, you have to have more memory than 4 gigabytes, and you have to have the operating system basically to take advantage of these benefits. But if you do... That'll really help you out.
0: Yeah, like let's say that you want to do some heavy-duty video editing, mm-hmm. and and let's say you're working on a feature-length film. Yeah. Well, the the benefit to a sixty-four-bit system is that you would be able to to load a lot more footage. In a single go than you would if you had a 32-bit system. It would just be much faster, much more efficient. And it's not, again, necessarily because the processor is faster. Now, granted, a faster processor also helps things a lot. And then we've talked in the past a bit about multi-core processors, which, uh, seem to give, seem to be faster, even though if you look at the the processor speeds, they may not be that much faster than a single-core processor. In that case, the, reason why it's it's uh working at, uh, more efficiently is because it's dividing up computer problems into segments and each core works on a segment of the problem and then it it ends up being put together kind of like a puzzle at mm-hmm. the end and that's what the uh you know that's why a multi-core will work best for certain kinds of problems again just like we were talking about with the 64 bit versus 32 bit a multi-core processor isn't necessarily going to execute every single application at a faster speed than a a, a comparable single-core processor because some just don't – some problems just don't break down into components. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that do we call parallel problems and uh, in, in case of grid computing, when you're talking about things like pr- folding proteins, you t- call them embarrassingly parallel problems. And I told you not to talk about those. I'm sorry, didn't mean to bring up a sensitive subject. But anyway, uh that's that's an, that's another key element to it's computer my face speeds. Haha. <laughs> so yeah, uh 64-bit operating systems uh, when when Windows came out with Windows Vista for 64-bit mm-hmm. Windows Vista, there were some problems. Okay, first of all there were problems with with Windows Vista. Right. Right. That that operating system got a really bad name pretty quickly because there were a lot of
1: You think Vista is a bad name? <laughs>
0: oh, I'm sorry. I'm just saying that they it had a reputation for being not the best operating system. There were a lot of features that people didn't care for and there were a lot of problems with it supporting certain kinds of software versus not supporting other kinds. And, it's not
1: a feature, it's a bug.
0: Yeah, right. So, but the 64-bit system when it came out, there were even more problems. And part of it was because it was, you know, fairly young for the personal computing era. Mm-hmm. Again, 64 bit architecture had been around for, for more than a decade. Sure. But, uh, but the actual use of it in personal computers was pretty much brand new when mm-hmm. the 64 bit Windows Vista version came out. Since then, we've seen computer engineers really kind of, uh, optimize operating systems for 64 bit. So it's not as big a problem now. Uh, Unix had a leg up over pretty much everybody else on that one, but uh, now we're seeing it with other systems, not just um, not just Unix or or its variants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, should you go out and buy a 64-bit system? My suggestion would be, n- unless you're it depends, yeah, unless you're really working with some heavy-duty video software, or you're doing scientific calculations, or you just want the most screaming video game yeah, machine ever made, yeah. you probably don't need to worry about it too much. Because the thing about video game machines is often you do have a dedicated graphics processor, which takes a lot of the... That helps. Yeah, it takes a lot of the, the weight off of your CPU. Although you then have to add weight with a cooling system. Yes. Um, but yeah, I would say that a 64-bit system probably is not necessary for most people right now. Now, over time, as the the whole all all the parts get cheaper and the uh, operating systems become more standardized, we'll probably see 64 bit become the new standard. And -hmm. in that case, it won't be a question of 64 versus 32. It'll be 64 bit is what's in the store. So that's what you get. Yeah. But right now, if you're shopping around, uh, just keep in mind that even though the number is bigger, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to experience uh, – it doesn't mean your computer computing experience is immediately going to be twice as fast as what it used to be on your old 32-bit system.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, as far as 128-bit systems go, I mean the thing is for for home computing really, I don't think – the average person needs anything like that, or or <laughs> will need anything like that for quite some time. If you're
0: to trying to give sentience to your refrigerator, <laughs> you may need a 128-bit yeah. system. But for for
1: something like sci- you know high-end scientific computing, well, sure, you know yeah.
0: supercomputer type stuff. If you're searching for intelligent life, possibly well, in that's this gonna office, be tough. yeah, I was. Gonna <laughs>
1: uh, this office. I knew alone. that joke was coming. Yeah.
0: Uh, no, but
1: uh, yeah, I mean, when you when you're already able to address. 17 exabytes of memory and you can't even fit that inside the box.
0: Yeah, there's no way to there's physically really no fit way. The, um, the memory because the, the yeah you, you would yeah. have to have a computer the size of, well, the old ones. because, yeah. And I'm not talking about the old computers. I'm talking about the fictional Cthulhu gods, the old ones. You'd oh. have to have a computer that size, <laughs> so large that per- it would rip the sanity from your mind. Perhaps less scary. Yeah,
1: perhaps. Uh, but but Depends uh, on what it's
0: running. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, this is it's sort of, again, like the IPv6 thing. This is the kind of thing that's going to get us through a long time. We yeah. re- the, the average person is not going to need to worry about this again.
0: Anytime soon. Anytime soon. Yeah. Now, we say a long time, but keep in mind... This is computing. We're talking co- yeah, about and computing a long time be might five be. Years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> five years is an, is a long time in computing terms. We I just wanted to make that clear before we had people write in.
1: Well, I, I still remember you know talking about RAM being a cheap way to upgrade your computer. Um, I can buy uh, another two gigabyte chip and pull out the one that's in the available slot I've got now to upgrade to a full four. I've got three. Yeah. I've got two slots in mine, and it came with two one gigabyte RAM sticks. I pulled one out and put a two in there, I could do the other one for. I think last time I looked, 26 or $30, something like that. Yeah. I remember buying, uh, a 256 megabyte RAM chip for about a dollar a meg. Wow. So, wow. RAM, so it, it the cost know, of memory get,
0: has, has decreased dramatically.
1: And that was probably about 15 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, when we get to the point where, uh, we're talking about exabytes of memory, it'll probably be, you know, a, it'll be a while. It, yeah. It'll be a while, but, you know, memory will probably be so inexpensive At least by that point.
0: by the recording of this podcast. Yes. So, <laughs> It'd be so funny if this podcast went change. live and I'm like, hey, did you get your 17 exabyte RAM
1: chip? Because <laughs> well, I've got mine. You have to, you have to buy it in, in one exabyte sticks. Yeah. You know? So you've only got five slots and each stick is about 500 oh, miles long yeah so um, at the, yeah i mean we've got that, that's another good point actually is the physical limitation of what we can build right now yeah
0: that's um, that's the thing is that the, these chips do take up physical space yeah so and you know for you to cram more memory you can't just i mean there's not like a <laughs> there's not like a switch that you click and you're like suddenly you've got more memory you have to build those chips and mm-hmm. the chips do get larger as you need more memory. So because
1: there's only a certain point at which the physical you can store information in the physical architecture of memory.
0: Right now, before that, that we have advances going. You know, there are advances in that every single year. Sure. I mean, just like Moore's law talks about the number of transistors on the chip, that also applies to things like memory. Yeah. But uh, you know, we're nowhere near being able to fit no. an exabyte of memory on a on a square inch chip. Yeah, unless, so, it, unless, it's, unless it's significantly tall.
1: <laughs> so that, that I guess, would be the, the last uh, um, of my suggestions if you're looking at the difference between a 32 and a 64. If you can afford a 64-bit system, you're ready to upgrade, you might as well go ahead and, and do it because uh, you'll be – it's not like you – I mean, uh, you, you have to worry about the uh, 128 uh, – Systems, 128-bit systems coming out next year.
0: Yeah, that's not going to uh, you know,
1: happen. You know, you can feel com- comfortable knowing that uh, this is something that will last you time. Yeah,
0: you're future-proofing yourself to an extent. Although, yeah. again, as the components get more advanced, you may have to, you know, if you're comfortable with the idea of popping open your computer and, and switching stuff out occasionally, then it shouldn't be a big deal.
1: Yeah, and the uh, the operating systems we had for a while, uh, for the last few years, have been 64-bit capable and on basically everything, Linux, Mac, Windows, so um, you know it might be in your
0: advantage to your advantage to to upgrade. Yep. So I guess that wraps up this discussion. Hey, guess what? What this episode is is gonna come in under thirty minutes. Really? It's like the first one in ages, right? Mm-hmm. But it was a nice, simple topic to to tackle, and it was good for us to kind of get into that whole architecture thing because I think a lot of people are kind of confused by this. And again, when you hear numbers, you immediately think the bigger number is automatically better in all cases. And yeah. it's not always that's not always the case.
1: It's also interesting that it sounds complex, but it's remarkably simple really when you yeah. get
0: down to it. Yeah. Once you get once when you start you thinking about that? those buildings. Yeah. All right. Well we're gonna wrap this up. If you guys have any topics you would like us to tackle in future episodes, you can let us know via email or address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on facebook or twitter our handle there is techstuff hsw and chris and i will talk to you again really soon
1: be sure to check out our new video podcast stuff from the future join how stuff works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow the how stuff works iphone app has arrived download it today on itunes Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste.